Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence this morning. Come on, stretch out your hands right now. Holy Spirit, God, as we, Lord Jesus, stretch out our hands. It is a sign, Lord God, that we are ready to receive your word this morning. Father, we thank you that your word is sharp and it's powerful. We thank you this morning, Holy Spirit, that you have got something fresh for us. And God, today, no matter what has happened this week, God, we position ourselves this morning to receive your word in its entirety. Father, I pray that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch every heart. God, unblock every ear. God, I pray that you would stir every spirit ready to receive your word today in your wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen. Luke chapter 1 and verse 80. Luke chapter 1 and verse 80. We want to talk about that uh, this morning. And I want to talk to you this morning about spiritual strength. Everyone say spiritual strength. Not physical strength. I'm not going to preach to you today about how much you should be bench pressing at the gym. But I want to talk to you today about spiritual strength. The inner man, the ability for you to be strong on the inside. And, uh, you know, in my devotions, I've been reading about John the Baptist. Who's ever read about John the Baptist? Being a Baptist boy, you know, I used to be a Baptist boy many years ago. Grew up in the Baptist church. The whole reason I came into the Pentecostal church is because our senior pastor who was preaching against the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our very conservative Baptist church, and this is not a, a payout of the Baptist because I love my Baptist heritage. It gave me my love for the Word of God. But that particular church didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, one day he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? He gets baptized in the very thing that he's preaching against. The next day he goes and he announces to the church, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was like the whole church just exploded, some in a good way, some in a bad way. I remember two big old Germans out on the front porch of our church having a punch-up about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, come on, who's had some strange church life experience? Oh, let's be honest this morning. Who's had some really weird church life experience? Who knows that, you know, the world has got some weird stuff, but the church has got some weird stuff as well? Right, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, John the Baptist. What I love about John the Baptist is that, you know, he is a picture of the church. And, uh, you know, he recognizes his ministry is really to prepare a way for Christ to come and do what Christ does best. And, uh, you know, he says, I'm there, I'm, I've come to prepare a way, you know, for Jesus Christ. And if you think about the church, you know, we can't save, we can't heal, we can't transform people's lives, only Jesus Christ can. But if we can create an environment for people to come in, and an environment of love and acceptance, an environment that is a place of safety for people. If as a church, we can be attractive, as people come in, they can experience the power and the presence of God for themselves. Church, we can't do anything. What happens when people's lives are changed is because of what Jesus Christ has done in their lives, not us. Come on, if you believe that this morning, say amen, right? And so we recognize that. So John the Baptist is kind of a picture of the church, is that he says, I'm going to prepare a way, I'm going getting ready, I'm going preaching and teaching and ha having a conversation with people, are ready 
So that when Jesus comes, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming who is greater than I, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We may do the practical, but Jesus does the spiritual in our lives. The other thing I love about John the Baptist is that as a man of God, his journey is very, very unique. And uh, what I love about John is that John has a very unique journey. And it's a personal journey with him and the Lord. And, and he's an example, I believe, of journeys that God allows us as believers to actually go through. Journeys of personal development, uh, being shaped behind the scenes. There's this idea that John, for many years, was shaped and developed behind the scenes until he was ready to fulfill his public ministry. You know, many times what people see of you in the outset is only 5% of what's going on on the inside. Come on, who knows that all of us are icebergs? Not that we look like icebergs, right? But what we see, people see on the outside is very different to what's actually going on on the inside. And John the Baptist, he was shaped in the wilderness. He was shaped in the desert. He was shaped in some of these harsh environments ready for God to do something supernaturally powerful in his life. And, you know, for many of us, we, many of us have, have had de desert experiences, right? Many, there's been many times that we've gone through personal hardship that many times people would never, never know. But, but like John the Baptist, and this is what I love about John, like John the Baptist, his years in the wilderness was preparation for his years to fulfill the purpose and plan of God for his life. Let me say this, there is no wastage time in your hardship. There is no wilderness that has been just something that can destroy you. God can use everything to fulfill his plan and his purpose in your life. Come on, if you believe it, say this morning, give me a wave. In Romania, they don't clap, they wave. My whole, my whole preaching when I was there last year, I tried to get them to clap. They would not clap, but they waved. Come on, let's clap unto Jesus. Forget it. So there's a statement in Luke that I believe is powerful about John the Baptist, and I want to have a look at that this morning. Luke chapter 1 and verse 80 in the New Living Translation talks about John, and it says this, And the child grew, became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Let me read that again. And the child grew and became what? Became strong in the spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Church, he grew strong in spirit. I love that. He grew strong in spirit. Strong in spirit in the wilderness. Not in the mountaintop, not where Moses was, not where Joshua was. Out in the wilderness, John the Baptist grew strong. He was, grew strong in spirit in adverse conditions. Right? Think about that concept. He grew strong in spirit in difficult scenarios. You know, there is something to be said, uh, I believe, about the strength that you have attained throughout your life. And there's this idea that as John grew up, he grew into his strength. He grew physically, but he grew spiritually as well. And I think it's a great idea that you and I need to understand this morning. God wants us to grow spiritually strong. You know, 
uh, throughout life, we often attain to many different things. Uh, this idea that he grew in strength. You know, many Christians in life, they grow. Listen, I don't want to sound negative this morning, but they grow in a whole bunch of other things. Many Christians grow in resentment, or they grow in bitterness, or they grow in hurt as life gets older. That is not the promise of God for you and I. God wants us to grow spiritually strong. He wants those areas of our life that have the potential to overrun us, to actually diminish. But at the same time, He wants spiritual strength to be the lasting thing that is resident in our lives, you know. And uh, I was hearing this story the other day about, you know, a very well-known preacher who has seen millions of people, you know, saved all around the world. And he's moved in healing and power and done massive things in Africa. And the, the story is told of this young minister who wanted that anointing. He wanted to operate in that capacity. And so he spent years trying to find out where this particular well-known preacher lived. And uh, this only happened a few years ago. And so he's hunting around trying to find out, you know, where this guy actually lives. He finally gets his home address. He goes and knocks on the door of this well-known preacher. And the preacher opens up the door. And there's this young minister, you know, so hungry for the anointing, so hungry for the touch of God. And he said, sir, will you pray for me? Will you pray that I have the same anointing that you have got? Will you pray that I have the same authority that you have got? And the guy turns to me, he says, I'm not going to pray for that. He goes, you go and get your own anointing. You go and get your own authority. He goes, it's taken me years to build this spiritual strength. It's taken me years to shape this authority. You know, there is an authority when you pray for people, but there's an authority that you build in the desert in some of the weak moments of your life where God is shaping and developing you and strengthening you on the inside. God wants you and I to be strong in spirit. Come on. Not strong in resentment. Not strong in weakness. Not strong in other things that can diminish our world. But strong in spirit. The young boy grew. He became strong in spirit in the wilderness until his day of public ministry. The Bible says he grew strong, spiritually strong. Paul prays his prayer in Ephesians 3 verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your innermost being. I pray that out of his glory, see, God has got a resource of riches for you and I that we can draw from to be spiritually strong. Paul writes again in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13, he says, be on your guard and stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. What strength is he talking about? He's not talking about a physical strength. He's talking about a spiritual strength, a strength on the inside, the strength of the inner man. It's not a mental tenacity that Paul is talking about. It's not talking about a physical strength, but a spiritual strength, a strength to overcome, a strength to be victorious, a strength to dominate the enemy of our souls, the enemy of God's purpose for your life. You know, the Bible talks about that. We combat against a real enemy. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual powers. Come on, who knows that many times in life, it's not just what you see is what you're fighting, but there's something that's going on behind the scenes. 
And you and I, we're going to learn how to be strong in the Spirit so that we can actually defeat those things and, and come against those things. And out in the desert, God is shaping John the Baptist's life. And John the Baptist comes back spiritually strong. And that inner strength is really what started the events that actually change the world. I think we undervalue spiritual strength in our Western culture. I think we want to be strong in many other areas and mentally strong and resilient strong. And I think we undervalue the idea of spiritual strength, being led by his hand, the ability to be strong and listening to his voice, the ability to be strong by not being intimidated, what the world actually throws at us. You know, there's many ideas of strength in the Word of God, things like resilience, capacity, overcoming ability, stamina, lasting the distance, a resistance to opposition. We see this many times with the apostles, how they just resisted no matter what the enemy threw against them. Uh, To change requires strength. Come on, who knows that this morning? If you want to change in an area of your life, it actually requires strength. But most people find it hard to change because they just don't think they have the capacity to change. I want to say this. If you become a spiritually strong person, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than your emotions, your physical ability, your natural abilities. He is greater than all of those things. To change requires strength. To adapt to new scenarios in our lives requires strength. To be secure in what God has called you to be requires strength. Why is it that we always want to be someone else? Why is it that we always want someone else's life and someone else's gifts and someone else's talents? How about just being secure in whom God has called us to be? Church, that requires strength. Come on. That requires you and I to be spiritually strong. And I believe all of these things relate back in the Word of God to this core idea of spiritual strength. So let me tell you today what spiritual strength is not. It's not feelings. It's not emotion. It's not a state of mind. You know, you see, one of the things that you see in the Bible is that the apostles many times were nervous and you know, walked around in fear and trembling, and yet there was a strength to do amazing things for God. Acts 4, verse 29, verse 31, they're praying, they're asking the Holy Spirit to help them, and they've been threatened, their lives have been threatened. And the Bible says they began to pray. It says, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In other words, they weren't really at the state of mind to have great boldness. They needed the Holy Spirit's help to give them spiritual strength so that they can actually do what God had asked them to do. And the Bible says that after they prayed, the place where our meeting was shaking, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God boldly. And the Bible says this about John the Baptist. It says that he grew in spiritual strength. He grew in strength in the desert. You know, the reality is that the Bible, it tells us that we can grow into those things that we are fragile in today. Maybe you are not strong on the inside. Maybe you are not a spiritually strong person. Maybe you are in this place today and you are overrun with emotion and you are overrun with maybe issues from your past and 
You can't say that you are in a place today that you are spiritually strong. Well, I want to say this, that if God did it in John the Baptist, He can do it in you today in 2019. He can make you into a person who is completely strong and spiritually resilient on the inside. I don't know about you, but I want that. Who wants that today? Give me a wave. And really, we can grow into it. We can grow in our authority. It's interesting that really John the Baptist was growing into his next season. You know, God will never propel you into your next season that you have not prepared for. You know, many times you and I want a new season, but we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to do an inner work ready for the outer work. I realize this about the Christian faith. God will always do an inner work before he does an outer work. We want it the other way around. We want the outer work before the inner work. But here we see God working on John the Baptist ready for his outward ministry. If you want outward change, God wants to start to do an inner work in your life and it begins with inner strength. I want you to notice things about this particular passage that is worth looking at today. And the first one is this, is that for John the Baptist, it was a unique journey. It was a unique journey because God was asking him to have different strength, unique strength. Not strength as the world gives. The Bible says of Jesus, he says, I give you peace, not as the world gives, I give you a different type of peace. You see, God gives us different things to the world. And here we have a unique strength that God is giving to John the Baptist. And a unique strength required a unique journey. It required a different journey. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 6, it says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. The Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. They're confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Listen, John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts. And while, you know, they say that locusts are the best protein source in the world. They're fantastic. And all the way back then, God knew what he was doing. Right? There we have John the Baptist eating a plate full of locusts every day with a little bit of honey. Locust granola. Bersha locust, croissants with locust, loon croissants stuffed with locust, praise God, locust curry, locust sauerkraut, locust pizza, and wild honey, as if that's supposed to fix it all up. And this was his message, after me comes the one who's more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Church, think about this man, right? Everything about this man was unique, wasn't it? It was strange, right? His clothes were unique. What he ate was extremely unique. His message of that day was so different. No one was preaching repentance. No one was preaching those types of things. 
You know, look at the way that he addresses the people that he's preaching to. Luke 3, verse 7, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, you brood of vipers. You know, I don't think that John actually read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Imagine every Sunday morning, me getting up saying, hey, how you going? You brood of vipers. It's not exactly a strategy, one-on-one, how to grow the church. Praise God, you brood of vipers. John's message was unique, but he just looked different. He ate some crazy stuff. The point is this, spiritual strength is unconventional strength. It's not normal strength. It's not the strength that the world gives. And let me say this, unconventional strength requires unconventional means. It doesn't mean now that we all go home and start eating locusts. Don't do that. Or come the next week and we're all wearing camel's hair. God help us if we did that. But the reality is is there's this idea that spiritual strength was unconventional. It wasn't what the world gives. And so unconventional strength requires unconventional means. And I began to think about that, church. Often Christians are weak because we look for conventional means to build unconventional strength. Listen, we look for the approval of the masses to build strength in our lives. We look to acceptance with our peers in order to build strength. We look to the moral standards of the world to build strength. We look to the current trends of society to impart strength into our world. We look to conventional means, the means that everyone else is using in order to be strong and to look successful. But church, God has called us to walk a different path. Unconventional strength means unconventional means. You're not going to get it in the world, but you're going to get it falling down on your knees, asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and to fill your lives. And I think many times we get it wrong. We go to conventional means. We look for things that the world offers, thinking that that's going to build something in our lives. Yet God has called you and I to walk a different path. God has got a different plan to make us strong. He's got a different way to make us resilient. God has a different idea of what we need in order to produce all that he has for us. And when we don't understand that, it becomes a problem. Look at Samson, right? Unconventional. God had called him to be strong, spiritually strong. Right? And we know the story. They're trying to find out the secret to his strength. Why is this guy so strong? Why is it when the Spirit of God comes upon him, he can do extraordinary feats? Right? What is the secret of his strength? What is going to make Samson weak? And there's a secret to strength here. There's an idea here as they're asking and Samson is giving them riddles. But there's an element of truth in the riddles of what Samson is saying. Have a look at this fascinating story, Judges chapter 16. Verse 4 to 17. If you're going to speak about strength, you've got to look at Samson as well. It says, Now sometime later he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the rulers of the Philistines went to her and they said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength. And how can you be tied up and subdued? Well, Samson answered her, listen, if anyone ties me 
with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I will become weak as any other man. Right? So the rules of the Philistines, exactly what they did. They brought a sef, seven fresh bowstrings that had been dried, had not been dried, and she tied them with them. What happens? He breaks the strings. Right? The secret of his strength is not revealed. And so Delilah comes to him a second time. She says, you made a fool of me. You lied to me. Uh, uh, come and tell me now how you can be tied, how we can subdue you. And he said, well, if anyone ties me securely, again, he gives her another, you know, furthy, with new ropes that have never been used. I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes. She tied them to him. The men were hiding in the room. Same story as before. They jump out, ready to go after him. He breaks the ropes, kills them all, Right? She says, listen, you've, you've fooled me again. Tell me, the, tell me what's the secret of your strength. He gives her the last one. He says, well, if you weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric. It's interesting. First time we hear how Samson actually wears his hair. Not flowing locks, seven braids. Right? Seven braids of my hair into the fabric on the loom. Tighten it with the pin. I'll become as weak as any other man. What does she do? She does exactly that. Right, he awoke from sleep, pulled the pin, the loom and the fabric, he goes after the Philistines. Then she finally said to him, you know, how can you say, right, I love you when you don't confide in me? This is the third time that you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God since my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me. I'd become like every other man, right? So listen, Samson gives her three ideas, right? They're all false, but there is an element of truth to them, okay? Uh, 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 the, the outward manifestation of what he's asking her to do is wrong, but the idea is actually correct. The secret to Samson's strength is right. Don't get entangled with other things. Don't get entangled. And really, she's leading him to this place where she is starting to entangle him with her emotion, with her conversation, with manipulation, all the things that entangle human beings, the picture of humanity is seen in this story of Samson and Deliah. And each step, she is alluring him closer to the truth of him revealing that to her. And in each step, listen church, in each step, he's unknowingly beginning to get entangled in this particular woman's ways. And in the end, he's entangled in her arguments, He's entangled in her emotional control. He's been entangled by conversation, persuasion, instilling doubt and confusion. She is entangling, listen, she's entangling him into her issues. You know, she says, you are making a fool of me, right? It's her issue, not his issue, right? But she's entangling him into her world. And I began to think about that, about supernatural strength about the way that you and I can be free. Let me say this, unconventional freedom, unconventional strength that God offers you and I. 
is really making sure that we untangle our lives from things that rob our strength on a daily basis. Not allowing our lives to be entangled. Not allowing our lives to be entangled by physical things. Jesus offers us freedom. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Praise God. So why is it that many Christians aren't free? Is the Word of God not powerful? Is the Word of God not truthful? God offers us freedom, but we don't walk in spiritual strength because we allow the entanglements of life to come through our world and rob us of our faith and rob us of our strength and rob us of our authority. Let me say this, one of the greatest revelations I've personally had over the last five years is the word no. Can you do that? No. Don't put your issue on me, right? It's a, it's a powerful way to actually live your, yes, many times I say yes, love people, reach out for people, and as a minister, do certain things, but there are times that I say no. No, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to carry that. No, we're not going to take on that responsibility. That's your issue, not our issue. Don't you try to put your issue on us. You carry your own issue. I remember talking to a minister one day and we are talking about stuff. And I said, I have a very, very basic philosophy. You take care of your family, I take care of my family. I can't take care of your family, I'll take care of my family. And I've realized this in life is that the things in my immediate control, God has called me to bring governance over. Right? And yes, love the church and care for people, but there are times it's okay to say no. It's okay to put boundaries. It's okay to make sure that if your world is not free, how can you be free for other people? This idea of entangling ourselves and unentangling ourselves so that we can live in spiritual freedom. Jesus undid the power of sin. He untangles the enemy's hold over us. Can I encourage you today? I feel this prophetically this morning. Don't get entangled by the world, by people, by... You, mate, we can talk two hours on this particular subject. Even as I'm saying right now, people know. God's been speaking to some people here about things that the enemy's trying to entangle you back in. Samson had powerful strength, yet the enemy was entangling him into natural, physical things. And when he got entangled, it's when his whole life fell apart. John the Baptist, this idea of this simple man out there, simple environment, out there, no one else, free. Yes, the wilderness was harsh, just him and the cockroaches and the scorpions. But there was this sense of simplicity, church, this sense of simplicity. And in the simplicity of John the Baptist's life, he built a spiritual strength that had the ability to catalyst something that was going to change the world forever, you know. And here we see with Samson, it was the direct opposite. The second idea is this, and I'll finish with this, is that spiritual strength translates into natural strength. Listen, spiritual strength translates into natural strength. The reality is that Samson was strong in the spirit, and so he was strong physically as well. And you know, when you look at the Bible, when you look at John the Baptist, when you look at the apostles, there was a strength of conviction. There was a strength of character. There was a strength of stamina. In the Bible, strong people that change the world can all trace back to this idea of spiritual strength. I want to say this to you today. If you want to overcome temptation, just make the spiritual man strong. If you want to overcome some of those weaknesses that you've been battling with, 
rather than just always focusing on your weakness. Start focusing on he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And start building the spiritual man. Start feeding the spiritual man. Start cultivating this relationship with God that is going to have the ability for help you to overcome. I love what the Bible says, until he appeared publicly. He was out in the wilderness until he appeared publicly. And that strength is built in the secret place. God's strength isn't formed in the public arenas or in the place of conflict. It's, 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 it's found in the secret place. What was he doing in the desert? I got no idea. Nothing of importance, whereas the Bible would have made mention of it. But I can tell you right now, he wasn't ministering. I'll tell you right now, he wasn't with people. He wasn't engaging. Listen, he wasn't solving problems. He wasn't rushing around doing stuff. There's this idea that he spent years with God cultivating this authority, working on this authority, so when he was ready, he could actually step out. What did happen in the wilderness was a strengthening of God's word in his life. Luke chapter 3, verse 2. It says, now during the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas, the word of God, listen, the word of God came to John in the wilderness. I tell you what was happening in the wilderness. The word of God was coming to him. The word of God was coming to John in the wilderness. I can tell you right now, there was a dialogue between heaven directly into John's world. There was no ministry. There was no functioning. There was no solving people's problems. There was no rushing your world. But I will say this, that in the wilderness, there was the word of God coming to John. Maybe you're in a season of wilderness. Maybe you're a season of, 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 of plateau. Don't see it as a negative thing. Maybe it's time for you to rebuild a spiritual strength in your life that you've actually lost over the years. And here we see with John is behind the scenes. He was working. The Word of God came in the wilderness. You know, it comes back to this idea a couple of weeks ago that I preached on rest. Him and God in the wilderness, building, shaping, learning, developing. Then he comes out. A season of pondering and thinking, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to him. A season to build spiritual strength. A season to get alone, dig deep, go further. Seasons to seek and pursue God. The Bible says that he was spiritually strong. You know, often we can read that as an inner feeling or an inner disposition. But really, if you think about it, John was spiritually strong and it manifested in his life by the things that he dealt with throughout his ministry. I mean, he was one man that annoyed the heck out of Herod. I mean, Herod hated him and wanted his head. He disrupted his whole household. He, he managed to get into the king's courts with his words. He was uncompromising. His message was strong. It was almost offensive. That He had this determination and this strength and this will. He did not, listen, he did not get that by solving other people's problems. He got that alone in the wilderness by him and God. Him and God. We see resilience. We see strength. Um, you know, some people that I meet that have known the Lord for years, but they're just not spiritually strong. They get offended by the smallest thing. They get off port when someone does the wrong thing to them. Here we have apostles and men of God who went through every type of injustice and yet they're faithful, the Lord Jesus, and their engagement in church life is as high as ever. And we have Christians, right? We have Christians around the world 
who just have got it all. But one thing goes wrong and they all get offended and upset. Let me just say this, don't interpret your years with the Lord as spiritual maturity. You can walk years with God, but you can still be spiritually immature. You can walk years with God, you can hear every sermon, but you can still be fragile on the inside. Church, that is not God's promise for you and I. God wants us to be spiritually strong and resilient people. You know, I was talking to a couple last night, I want the musicians to come, and their journey has been unconventional. Their journey has been unconventional. I remember they were telling me this story years ago, and I don't even remember this, but they said one of the reasons why we came to Australia is because Back in another church that you were at in Adelaide, you brought a band over to Penang and you were holding a concert there. And uh, they said that we were part of a small church and we went over to this particular concert to check it out. And he was a Methodist guy. She was actually a Hindu and she got saved. And uh, they were still early, you know, early in their walk with God. And so they went to this particular concert. Anyway... Uh, she said, I came forward at the altar to get prayed for. This was like 15 years ago, I reckon. And she said, you gave me word. And she goes, you, you gave me word that God was going to rip the, 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 the mat from under my feet. That's a great word, isn't it? I'm going to rip the mat from under my feet. But rather than falling, I was going to fly. And she said, you know, right back then, both of us were working for Intel. We had very well jobs. And we felt God tell us to go to Australia with nothing. It was like God was ripping the mat from under our feet. And so we ended up in Australia on a particular visa, had no job, had to find work. Uh, they said, we remember being in a you know, really small house and no heating and you know, just having to really battle it through. Uh, the church gathered around us. And uh, you know, our journey has been unconventional. Through the difficult seasons, we made a commitment to be strong in the Spirit. So we'd go to church, we'd pray, we'd give, we'd tithe. We never, got, we never stopped tithing. We never stopped being generous. There are times that people let us down. There are times that people hurt us. Uh, but we made a decision that our spiritual strength was the most important strength in our life. Not our financial strength or anything else, but our spiritual strength. And then they're from Adelaide, they moved to Melbourne. And they just began to tell me the journey of where God had taken them. And, you know, and the, the, one of the things that I noticed with these guys, and this is not a, a message on, on tithing, but they said, we always gave for our next season. So we want to get to a stage that we give away 90% and we live on 10%. Right? So they go, we want to reverse it. So if we wanted a pay rise, we'd start giving according to that pay rise. We'd start giving according to our future, not about our past. In other words, they were developing spiritual strength in their life, spiritual conviction. Um, now, both of them are top ends of their job. They're just, God has completely blessed them. They go, look at where God has taken us. Not look where we've come from because of our hard work and our resilience, but look where God has taken us. Everything was about where God had taken them. And I saw a young couple there in the prime of their life, just spiritually strong, but recognizing that all of that strength came because of God, not because of what they've done with their own hand. Yes, they were diligent. Yes, they were doing all those types of things. But their journey has been unconventional. Church, I think sometimes we get discouraged because all of our journeys are unconventional. Our journeys are not the same. You know, and so we think, is there something wrong with me? Have I missed the mark? Am I doing it the wrong way? 
John the Baptist's unconventional journey brought incredible spiritual strength into his world. Let me say this, you were never meant to be normal. You were never meant to be conventional. Your journey was always going to be an unconventional journey because you serve an unconventional God that does not conform to the standards of this world. He has higher standards and higher plans and higher purposes. My journey has been unconventional. I hear some of your stories. Your journeys have been unconventional, unusual. Sometimes we want it to be in a straight line, and yet it's been here, it's been there, it's been seasons in the wilderness and disappointments and hurts and pains. And the enemy comes to us and he says, you failed and you've let God down and you know what, and you've just done the wrong thing. No, you and I have been called to live an unconventional life. Man, I'll tell you what, until you get to the point of eating locusts and walking into the church with camel's hair, right? your journey is unconventional. Be okay with that. See that God is in that unconventional journey because He is producing unconventional faith, unconventional resilience. Amen? Amen. I want to pray this morning that God untangles people. Just an untangling that takes place. An untangling of maybe hurts, an untangling of maybe words, an untangling of just, just carnal things coming into our world that have kind of just messed us up. I want to pray in an untangling today. Samson had great spiritual strength. The Bible says that she wore him down. Wore him down. He should have run the other way. But in that wearing down, he got entangled. And now we see him, a blind man, bound really a representation of what was already happening years earlier. That's not what God wants for you and I. He wants to untangle us so that we can be free. Amen. Come on, come on, would you stand to your feet this morning? Holy Spirit. Two encouragements to you today. Number one, don't lose heart. Your journey may be unconventional. Don't lose heart. That's the way that God works. Number two, don't get entangled. Just don't get entangled. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.